0: Coming up, we're reviewing the latest earnings reports from Six Flags and Disney, and discussing why they're the exact opposite. Welcome to the show, I'm Philip. On the Haunted Trash Network podcast, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Our next event is actually on August 19th in Santa Ana, themed around Alien. Links to everything are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down the large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged series. And with that, here's this week's installment of Green Tagged, co-hosted by Scott Swenson and myself. All right. From our studios in Boise, Idaho and Tampa, Florida this week, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip and I'm joined by my co-host Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another week of important discussion about uh, trends and the important happenings in the world of attractions. And it has been a big week because we've gotten several earnings reports have been released. We're going to talk about Two of the main ones we're going to talk about: Six Flags and we're going to talk about Disney because they're kind of the polar opposites of each other. So we'll start with Six Flags, and Six Flags. <laughs> I don't know what, how I was going to say Six Flags in a in an astonishing feat has managed to lose money uh, and decrease their attendance, <laughs> despite the fact that every other major theme park chain has been uh, doing well. They are not doing well. Um, I'm gonna. There's a lot here to dig through uh, because. You know, of course, it's not good news. So, of course, there was a lot of, like, questions back and forth. So I'm going to read some of the highlights and we'll discuss each point, I- by each point. And all the notes are going to be in the show notes. I have taken this these summaries from various sources, including the transcript from the earnings call and the earnings report itself. So just kind of, you know, if you want to see any of the information yourself, I'll put them on the show notes. But basically, their entertainment... Department said its revenue declined by 5% in the second quarter, leaning to a profit of only $45 million, down from $70 million a year ago. So not from 2019, just one year ago, it was down that much from that. So that's not even the 2019 numbers. Uh, in response, their CEO said the company plans to implement several changes. We'll talk about each of these. The changes include rolling out a new dining plan and expanding its Fright Fest events through wearable technology and launching a new Oktoberfest event. So those are the three main things. Now also noted was that their spend per person was actually higher, and in the in the transcript they said that the increase in admissions spending per capita was primarily driven by higher realized ticket pricing and a higher mix of single day tickets so basically they're reducing the discounts that they are offering and they have more people showing up just once uh, for day tickets and that's that's what's causing the spend per guest to be higher. Uh, He gave an interview for the New York Post in which he kind (laughs) of said some what I believe are uh, not helpful things. Uh, He said that that they have become a daycare center for teenagers and it was a cheap daycare center for teenagers during breaks and the summers. We realized that we had discounted too much and we are filling the park with the wrong kinds of customers. And then he goes on to say that we want the park to be for the middle class and even the lower middle class. We believe our demographic is the average income of the the U.S. And I'm migrating a little bit from what I call the Kmart Walmart customer to maybe the Target customers. (laughs) So um, and then he goes on to kind of just repeat kind of the Disney strategy, which is say that they want more. Uh, single day ticket holders because they spend more money, they pay for parking, they pay for food, they pay for flash passes, blah blah blah. Um, and then he wants them to all, those type of customers to also uh, come back more. And then regarding regarding the dining plan, they basically said it cost too little and it led to long lines. And they're going to increase the price and they're also going to limit now how much food people can get with it. And there are very few details on the Fright Fest option, but. Other than it's going to include trick or treating and wearable technology, so that's a lot, uh, a lot. Scott, what do you think?
1: Well, it, so I'm, I'm uh, trying
0: the to wrong find the co- kinds of people, Scott. The wrong yeah, kinds I, I, of people. That, mm,
1: yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the positive side of this. Although I will say that they are not the only chain that is saying um, having uh, being the daycare for teens is not in the best interest of their parks. That I've heard that from um, larger chains and even independent attractions, um, that that is not a beneficial business model at this time. Um, I, I don't know whether I would have phrased it exactly that way. Um, I, I think the idea of the wrong kinds of people and using the, uh, the Walmart versus Target mentality um, is
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I think that the uh, if if you're trying to shift your degree that in that small an increment I think you've probably just offended both sides. So I, I'm not sure. I I think the the theory is good. I think the statement behind it is or the statement that is being led out front may not be the best the best way to approach it. Um, but I'm not sure. I, you know, who, who, Who? what do I know? Uh, I, I would say that, you know, I don't think anybody's surprised that Six, Fl- Six Flags has always been, you know, the, the, years and years ago, their mindset and their business model was we're going to be the local alternative to traveling to a destination yeah. location park. You know, whether that is a Disney park or Universal mm-hmm. park or even, you know, um, I don't know even a Cedar fair park. I mean, you know, there are people who do travel to go to knots, you know? Um, so I don't think it's a real big surprise that all of a sudden they've had this realization of we've been lowest common denominator and we've thrived on that for many years. Uh, I, it it is also not particularly surprising to me that of all the theme park chains, they're down just a little bit. Um, because again, they are local. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, if people are gonna if yeah. people are gonna get out and want to do something, that means they're also willing to travel. That means they're also willing to um, get up, get out, and move. So, because they've always positioned themselves as the local theme park, the local amusement park, uh, guests are like, "Well, we can we can do that, we can do that when things calm down, but we just want to go out and do something really cool. Let's go to California, Florida, whatever." Um, so. It's not, it's not really surprising. What is surprising to me is the way it has been presented, um, almost insulting to, to the guests Mm -hmm. that are there. And it, it would make more sense from a marketing standpoint for me. And again, not an expert in this area, but for me, it would have made more sense to try to find a way to position it so that you're building off of your existing audience, as opposed to saying, we've been inviting in the wrong kinds of people or targeting the wrong kinds of people. And we want to go here to me, that sort of radical culture shift. And I I know it sounds Walmart to target seems minuscule, but I, I think, I think you could have, um, accomplished that without actually saying it now maybe this is speak for the for the stockholders i don't know maybe this is stockholder speak to try to get them to not just abandon (laughs) uh abandon Mm -hmm. there it's like Mm -hmm. bail time to bail um it 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 might be a bit of insurance from that standpoint but i think from a general populist standpoint it is uh it's an unusual take and i it rubs me the wrong way personally I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. This is clearly your realm of of, yeah, of expertise,
0: Philip. How do you how do you feel about this one? I don't know. I I think I it, it's everything that we have said previously on the show, which is I I'm I'm not sure there's really a future for Six Flags. Like I I we, we've talked about long agnosium about kind of about the uh, the consolidation of entertainment and this whole. There's diversification and, you know, like, I, I also feel like they're just looking at what Disney is doing and trying to copy it. But the problem is they don't have the IP, like they don't have any of the assets that that, that Disney has been building with the IP and the the depth of experience right? And the velvet rope kind of thing. Like you, you can't just go in and add a bunch of velvet ropes and be like, Oh, that's how we're going to make money. And then we're going to increase, like, it's not going to work. Like they're only, and I also think to go back to what you say all the time, use your assets. They're not using their assets. Their assets are their thrill rides. That's it. That's kind of it. That's all I, when you think of, when I think of Six Flags, I don't think of their dining plan. I don't think of trick or treating or Fright Fest, you know, even here in, in Los Angeles, like the, I was just talking with Blog other bloggers recently about how Fright Fest has announced nothing for their event, and they haven't. And like no media has been able to get a hold of them. Like there's just like it's like they don't even. I don't understand. Like you, I feel like everything he's saying is wrong. I feel like it's obvious they've been targeting the lowest common denominator and just trying to get capacity on their thrill rides. I think that's mm-hmm. been their plan forever, and I think all of their capital investment has gone into their coasters. And now to say, for him to say, no, we're gonna make a better dining plan, and then also focus on Oktoberfest and Fright Fest. Like nobody cares about their Frightfest. Fest, and I, they can't make, like they can't do anything else well without significant investment and without a whole, cu- like it, you know, without a whole culture redo. Because it, it, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I I just disagree with the entire strategy. I also disagree. There's a future for the park if that's what they're thinking. Like I think that. It's just kind of, it's interesting when you put all these perspectives together, because we talked about last week, too, about Earnings Call last week, and kind of everyone's strategy. And it feels like Disney is here, as usual, you know, kind of at the forefront. And they're saying they are diversifying entirely, right, with the Disney Plus thing and trying to to give people access to their IP at a much, much lower price point if they can't get to the parks, et cetera. And then they, yeah, but that's not but an an over asset. the years, the six they've been flags building hat. these- Six Flags with doesn't death. have that
1: option. Six that's Flags exactly simply my doesn't point. have that option.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So so instead of trying that's to... That's exactly my point is that...
1: Yeah, instead of trying to mimic what Disney is doing, they need to find what they need to do. And this has been a challenge, I think, with exactly. Six Flags. Yeah, this has exactly. been a challenge with Six Flags throughout their, their recent history. Yeah. I mean, there was a time where Six Flags was not too many years ago um was buying up every park they possibly could they were buying up all these independent parks they were expanding and they expanded too quickly and couldn't maintain so then they have gone back and now sold uh much of that and there are you know I can think of two specific examples where there are now condominiums where there used to be a theme park so uh yep. they've they they expanded they realized oh crud this is too big we can't manage this so they they contracted back down uh, i this sounds to me like they're they're just they don't know what to do so they're yes. they're looking to they're looking to successful models which mm-hmm. are outside of their grasp and outside of their assets exactly and and trying to to copy them instead of to your point you know and they did this for a short really short period of time and i want to say it was the i want to say it was like the early to mid 90s where they really focused yeah. on their thrill rides. It was, we are the thrill mm-hmm. ride park, you know, come to yeah. us. It's it again, something else that I have said way too many times, uh, not only on this show, but also to many of my clients is find the thing that differentiates you from your competitors, uh, find that thing, yes. elevate it and make it your, make it your North star, make it, you know, what do we want to be? And I understand yeah. that there are challenges with, um, with going strictly for the the thrill rides because that brings in that teen audience that they're so afraid of. Um and I and yeah. I get that. But that's where they've that's where their assets lie
0: right now. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like they're like they're not even considering finding a way to like we talked and we talked about this last time like or several episodes ago like I, I when the last 6 flags fight broke out we talked about, you know, how they could maybe do things to to encourage, not you know, to kind of get around the violence, like it's like in, instead of doing that, you know, instead of being like, let's figure out a way to work with what we have and to figure out a way to, to make to to, to reduce the violence in the parks. They're, it's like they're just like, no, 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 no. The way we're going to reduce violence is just kick all those people out <laughs> and just change our entire like business model to not rely on those uh, those undesirables, right? And I'm like, that's. that it seems like the lower hanging fruit here is to refocus on their assets and then to figure out a way to make the like to just deal with it you know figure out a way to to (laughs) to reduce the violence without that and then the trick-or-treating thing and the wearables thing like I literally I'm like god this is really just trying to copy Disney. we just talked about the magic band plus Mm -hmm. and then how you know Disney's uh, their Oogie Boogie Bash selling out in California, which is trick or treating, and I'm like, dude, like, you're not a, a trick or treat park. What? <laughs> Wearables? It cost Disney
1: a billion dollars to make money off of that. So it's it's interesting because going back going back in my own personal history, um, one of my first theme park Halloween events was Fright Fest at Six Flags Great America in Gurnee, Illinois, mm-hmm. and. It was, that was an amazing event. It was so much fun. Um, and, you know, it was in a location that fall reinforced the event anyway. So the weather was just crisp mm-hmm. enough and there were just enough leaves on the, uh, you know, turning leaves. So you didn't have to worry too much about decor because the trees in the park just magically um, through the the wonders of nature became that. Um, you know, I, I think they, I think they need to try some radical things here. Uh, one of the things I would suggest is yeah. if they're concerned about... Uh, if they want to elevate their their age range part of the reason that people you know uh, who are who are older are hesitant to go to six flags is because again they are concerned about the 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 teen daycare to use their language not mine they're concerned about the teen tween daycare great then why don't you institute uh friday saturday nights after 6 21 and up and i yeah. know there would be pushback i know there's a whole bunch of reasons yeah. not to do it but that would be totally in line with what they're saying here. If you want to elevate yeah. that experience, if you want to go back and target that, go back and say, okay, fine, 21 plus. 21 plus. And make an adult Because right? I promise you, there yeah. are more than enough people in their 20s who would love to come out, um, have a glass of wine or two, and ride roller coasters. I mean, taking their assets, yeah. which they own, mm-hmm. and letting the, the audience know, here's the thing, if you want to come out, and you don't want to come out and and have to deal with our 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 teen daycare, um, then come on out on, and test it. You know, test it over. Uh, yep. Test it over. Uh, yeah, three do like a
0: two weekend or a few months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. again, it's going to take something radical. It's going to take something radical because again, you're you're doing a culture shift. You're doing a culture shift, and it's hard enough to do an internal culture shift. It's even more difficult to do an external culture shift. And yes, you can shoot holes in this idea till the cows come home, but you're never going to know whether it's going to work until you try it. And it's one of the few things that I think is in line with what they say they want to do and what they're actually proposing they're going to do. Um, Again, I am not an expert in this regard, and I realize, you know, you have to go through the whole thing about clearing the park. Are you going to lose money on the teen tween market? Perhaps. But are you going to make it up and work towards the culture shift you want by showing people who are 21 and older? It's not just about the the the, the teens and tweens that just are you know annoying to that older demographic, slightly older demographic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you know do a da- do date night events? Do do 21 and up date night events? Yeah. Do 21 yes. and up uh, yes uh, young couple events? Do um, here's something really stupid. Here's something really stupid, but I think would be super cool and and just might work. Um, in, in, say you know, if you come out on one of these nights, we will we will pay you for the amount of hours that you stay, we'll pay the equivalent of a babysitter so that it encourages a longer stay. um you you clock it. and yes, I know you can tell me that there are a million and one operational reasons why this wouldn't work, but, all of those could be overcome, and it wouldn't be that difficult. You just punch in when you get there, you punch out when you leave, and that punch in and punch out gives you x amount of dollars based on your local market to pay for the babysitter. Get young parents to come out and drink,
0: or just put a daycare the center there.
1: Well, yeah. putting a daycare no, center there, I, there's, a of, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a Liability, lot of, there's a lot of, it could but, be yeah. done. But there's a lot of liabilities, a lot of insurance, a lot more staffing. Yeah. This just, is just. You know, you you charge yeah. them for this and then then pay them back at the end of the night yeah. based on length of stay.
0: Yeah. Well, all those suggestions I think are better than <laughs> their current plan. I don't think their current plan, as listed as it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. But overall, I'm not sure Six Flags is going to work as a model if this is what they're going. To. Anyway, and, and, and I will say anyway, that, I don't know. This it, is frustrating me.
1: Yeah, it saddens me because yes. I think there are some Six Flags parks yeah. out there that are just stellar. And just yeah, really it, it, fun, it's
0: annoying, yeah.
1: A really, really fun. Um, yeah. As long as you recognize they ain't Disney.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, what it, Speaking of Disney, uh, so our our next half of this is the Disney earnings report, and uh, the reason I wanted to put Six Flags first is because you know Disney is basically the exact opposite, um, and their earnings call, of course, was. Their earnings report was tremendous. Uh, actually, way better than anybody even predicted. Which is, I guess, that's the surprising part. Is, is how good it was actually. So, revenue grew to seven point four billion from four point three billion during the same period last year. So that, and also spending improved by ten percent over last year of a per capita guest spend. So they made ten percent up, ten percent more on each guest, and their their profit margin also was that that huge increase. So y- we can break these. up, up into I think two broad buckets, uh, Disney Plus and then the Disney Park bucket, and I'll I'll go through each of them. But just so you realizing, you know that when they're reporting this, they're reporting over everything combined. So the two mm-hmm. broad buckets are Disney Plus and Disney Parks. On the Disney Plus side, the thing that made the most news was that their Disney Plus subscribers rose to 152.1 million during this last quarter, which is higher than the 147 million that even the analysts had predicted. So like even the high end of the analyst prediction, they beat that by 5 million, which is a lot. And if the big thing they were touting is if you take their Disney Plus and you combine it with Hulu and ESPN Plus, they have 221, and Netflix has 220. So that was kind of their big thing. Of course, that's not quite accurate because there are like you know you don't know how many of those are overlapping, right? So they're, they're but it, it's still worth kind of noting they're like oh they're kind of at the Netflix level now, uh, and we will continue to see if there is a ceiling on on streaming because uh, uh, that that's a, that's a big piece of this as well. So um, also <laughs> so it's just to note though that even though they've re- they've reached that subscriber. Uh, like I think potentially a ceiling or close to the ceiling of, of subscribers where Netflix is, that they have still lost money on it. So during this last quarter, they lost $1.1 And so basically, though, the strategy up until now has been to grow the subscriber base, right? Invest in the content, really grow the the content, tie into the parks, kind of build the ecosystem, and then monetize it. And now we are at that monetization point. Uh, Point because they announced that December 8th, starting December 8th, Disney Plus with commercials will rise to $7.99 uh, pricing, which is the current price. So basically, it, in order to make up that shortfall uh, of in, in loss of content, they're making the current offering. That's the price it's going to be for the ad version of it. So the ad free disney plus version will be 10.99 so it'll be three dollars more for the ad free uh monthly one so they're they're hoping that new pricing structure uh incorporating advertising as part of it for the the base level and then increasing three dollars will balance that out into profitability for that uh they they also announced that they've adjusted their forecast so they're kind of moving what they believe to be the ceiling down they've adjusted their 2024 forecast to 215 million to 245, which is down 15 million on both ends. So they're 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 kind of sensing they might be at the ceiling for for total like subscriber possibility, and they're addressing all that. But so they're basically ready to flip the switch and see if they can get this ad-supported model out there and and jump into profitability on Disney Plus, which would be a huge, a huge win for them. And then the Disney Park section is just ridiculous. They saw a revenue increase of 72% during this quarter from up from the same period last year, which is just insane. And of course, the same thing we've been talking about there, the increase in average per capita ticket revenue is due to the introduction of D&E Lightning Lane for the first quarter, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then reduced impact from promotions at Wealthy Zero Road. So basically, less discounts, less promotions, they're Their Disney theme park hotel occupancy sat at 90% throughout Q3 and they had the 70%. So the only thing in here that they they said, which got a lot of blowback online, and I'm going to read the exact line from the report. I'm not going to read anything from the blogs. So the exact line is that the increase in average per capita ticket revenue was due to the introduction of Dini Plus and Lightning Lane in the first quarter of the current fiscal year. And a reduced impact from promotions at Walt Disney World Resort, partially offset by an unfavorable attendance mix at Disneyland Resort. That is the exact quote. The internet is going wild over that because the 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 section there of unfavorable attendance mix, um, they did not define what that is. So they're not going as far as Six Flags, who's just saying like we're a babysitter and we don't like that. But they did include that unfavorable, and of course. What we know, which we have talked about, is that that most likely refers to there are too many annual passes and that their annual pass members are, since they spend less, it's an unfavorable mix because there's too many of them in the parks, which we have seen them try to adjust, right? They've been blocking out parks, blocking out those passes during the summer, and now they've started to not give details on the renewal. So there's a lot of passes that are expiring where people can't renew them because they haven't released if they're going to renew or how, and the passes are not currently on sale. So there we are well
1: so it's 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 very interesting let's let's start with the uh passes are not currently on sale um <laughs> yeah. let's let's start there and it was interesting because one of my lights just went out so now I have a much more ominous view as we uh, as we go into this it's, it's a little creepier um so anyway the uh the idea here is um it's interesting that they have for the very first first time in my recollection, actually separated out the mentality of people who visit the California parks versus the Florida parks. Mm -hmm. They always have been different. The California parks um, for many, 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 many years were traditionally the locals. Um, Yes, it was a destination park, but nowhere near the, the, the kind of destination park that Walt Disney Resort is in Orlando. So they, mm-hmm. were much, they were much stronger uh, on season passes in Disneyland than they were in Orlando. Uh, it, was, it was part of the, the business model of, of Disneyland and California Adventure. And then they tried to kind of homogenize that between the two. But at one point in time, and this is many, many years ago, I was told, and this is anecdotal, but I was told that uh, the attendance at Disneyland California this was before california adventure opened was 60% pass holder which yeah. is great when travel when travel poops out but um yeah. when travel picks up obviously you know the 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 one offs or the not not one offs but like for example the the day five-day yeah. ticket yeah the 5 day tickets yeah. you know that's that's what's going to that's what may replace the season pass holders. Now, if all of a sudden we have some sort of travel catastrophe, that's going to shoot them in the foot too. So you, you kind of have to continue to figure out what that balance is. But I think it's very interesting that in this particular report, the unfavorable attendance mix at Disneyland Resort is basically saying, and I think Philip, you just you just brought it to to light, is basically saying there there are too many there are too many pass holders um, who aren't. Yeah spending additional revenue. Um, and we've got... But I will say, that 90% at the theme park hotels, that yep, is an incredible that's number. That is an incredible number. Yeah. Um, again, anecdotally, many, many years ago, from... I will say from internal sources, but all of this information is way outdated. Um, they... I was told that in Florida, the Florida resorts hovered around 75 percent. And yeah. considering that this is 90 percent for Q3, th- that's mind blowing. Yeah. But it reinforces what we've been saying. People are ready to get out. Yes. They're ready to travel. They're ready to get to where they need to be. And um, if they have denied themselves over the last two years of, you know, taking that trip to to Florida, taking that trip to California. Now, all of a sudden. They're like, let's do it and let's do it right. I've heard that a lot. It's like we've denied ourselves for too long. Now that we're going back, we're going to take the money that we basically banked over the last two years and and we're going to do it correctly and we're going to stay yeah. on property. We're not going to stay in the surrounding hotels. We're going to stay on property. We're going to spend a few more days there and we're going to do the stuff that we really want to do.
0: Yeah. So The, yeah. the only other thing that it could relate to is – the international guests have still not really been returning because in, in some cases they can't or, you know, for whatever reasons. That could be the only other thing that it might allude to because, you know, although that really would be more of an impact to Disney World than Disneyland, you know, so I, I think it's it's most likely the season pass holders because to to your point, Scott, by the time I was working for the Disney company, what, what I was told working there was that Disneyland was up to 75% of... Of uh, locals annual pass holders, ah, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. Well, and and, 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 and I friends, had heard you know wh- that it was inverse in in in
1: uh, in Florida. It is absolutely inverse in Florida, and and it's interesting because my friends who grew up in California would say, "Yeah, Disneyland was our local theme park." You know, we'd we'd yep, go there exactly. the same way people would go
0: to a Six Flags because we just lived in Anaheim. You know, uh, there you go. Um, yeah. So So, uh, that's so basically that's exactly what the the to bring up Six Flags is exactly what he is trying to do is is his strategy is basically to try and get those types of, you know, those types of people who are, i.e. people that would go to Disneyland and spend that money and, and bring and come and visit Six Flags often and spend that money there. but. That's not going to work because I don't go to Six Flags and it's 20 minutes from me and I drive an hour down to Disney to go to Disney. And I would never go to, I mean, just because it's not, they don't have the, the depth of offerings. They don't have right. the offerings there. Um, but I, I, I still think, though, that the, the, the day guests, the, the annual pass holder to Disneyland still spends a lot more than, than day guests, than, than annual pass holders to any of the other parks, though.
1: Correct. So let me just let me just wrap this up because we're just about out of time. But I think what we're seeing here is Disney has always been a content driven company. They always put the creative first and they let the operation follow. So the the expansion in Disney Plus has been getting all these things that you can only see on Disney Plus. That's what their big investment has been. That's why there's been a, a shortfall in money because they have been gathering all of the IP, the intellectual properties, the creativity lead with creativity and make the business model work based on that. On the inverse, I think what we saw with Six Flags is an operational-led, operationally-led mentality. They're not talking about how are we going to change the the product per se. They're talking about how are we going to implement the product. So I think this is, Mm -hmm. if we want to look at a takeaway, the takeaway for long-term success, based on what we're seeing with Disney, is... Let the product lead your business. Don't let the operations lead your business. Don't do what is easiest. Do what is right and figure out a way to make it profitable. And I think that's what's happening here with Disney versus Six Flags. So I tried to just kind of wrap that all up. I know that Six Flags is much larger than a lot of our independent listeners. I know that Disney is significantly larger than many of our independent listeners. But I think that is the takeaway that everybody can utilize. Focus on the product. Focus on the product, make certain that it's something people want to see and figure out how to operationally make that happen. And that will make your long-term growth and your long-term success significantly greater. I've rambled on too long. We're way over time. It is called Theme Park in 30 and I'm over. But on behalf of Philip Hernandez and uh, with Gantam Lighting and Haunted Attraction Network and myself, Scott Swenson, thank you so much for listening or watching uh, Green Tag Theme Park in 30. We'll
0: see you next week. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant.